0: I'm mad, they say. I am temperamental and dizzy and disagreeable. Well, let them talk. I can take it. Only one person can hurt me. Her name is Ida Lupino. Those are the words of Ida Lupino, the much forgotten British-born Hollywood-based director who broke new ground in a cinema of post-war American fallibility. A dedicated collector of firsts, Lupino was the first woman to self-direct in a Hollywood system where women simply did not do that. The Bigamist, from 1953, is an intense chamber piece in which love, loneliness and pity, the very textures of modern ambiguity, take centre stage. In a tight whirlwind of 79 minutes, a man, Harry, falls in love and marries two women, Eva and Phyllis. Spoiler alert before being torn apart by the agonies of his remorse. This is MoobTube, a podcast where Owen and Ralph talk about a film on Mubi because it's never been done before. Ralph, are you Mm wed up or fed up? (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Um, Hey, thanks. I worked on that. Delicious intro as
1: ever. Yeah, I liked this a lot I was um, I had great admiration for the way in which scenes were loaded uh, preloaded with meaning, so there's a couple kind of um, really Mm. wonderful scenes, the first scene is quite early on where uh, Jordan, who's the who works, he's the kind of investigator at the adoption agency Uh, he's kind of trying to find out about Harry and his his wife, the first wife, um, and to see whether they're whether they're both up to it. And he has this feeling about Harry that something ain't right. Mm. And he ends up in Los Angeles, where Harry frequently travels for work. Um, he does have a job there, but the, there's more going on, as you can imagine from a film titled "The Bigger Mist." And <laughs> he he sees he arrives at Harry's house address and. Just as a quick word with him, and then as the conversation appears to be coming to an end, the scream of a baby is heard, and it's oh, absolutely it's wonderful.
0: Yeah, it's such a good gotcha moment.
1: Yeah, in so many other movies, he would try and make up some kind of excuse, say he was looking yeah. off, like he would yeah. do, there'd be some kind of tedious, like
0: he's going, Oh, the television's on in the other room, or the yeah, radio's on, exactly. Like.
1: And he just, but just no one says anything for about like 90 seconds he just walks in and and like cradles the baby uh as it as it calms down yeah and jordan follows him into the house um and uh watches him and and like yeah barely says a word but um well he he asks him to explain it and then we get this flashback that um Mm that is most of the movie and, and tells us the story of how Harry, this somewhat weak, weak-willed weak uh, but very privileged individual got himself into the mess that defines this film What, what a, a mess.
0: mess How did you find it? Uh, well, you know, um, when I first searched this film and movie our cards on the table, Ido Lupino is completely new to me um, so. and so is the film Uh, there's actually two, ironically there's two bigamists on (laughs) movie. there's an Italian film made three years afterwards and I didn't look to see if it was like a kind of localised reimagining of the same, but I can only imagine the film is about like pretty much the same thing, Um, Mm. whereas maybe the Italian one, they really celebrate it and like, my man, two wives great, that was Um, real bigamy
1: (laughs) real bigamy
0: (laughs) Uh, this film no this was good for it, it, it's like one of those really self-contained um, really perfectly orchestrated films um, 79 minutes beautiful you know um, Mr Hollywood please more films under 90 minutes it's just my golden <laughs> rule for that like, any film is automatically good if it's under 90 minutes but it's yeah there's a lot there's a lot that's loaded in these moments of spaces of silence in the film because obviously Harry has been living with Harry and Harrison, the other he goes by. He's been living by a kind of not particularly well-concealed secret, um, which has been eating him up inside. Um, so there's these big gulfs of silence. There's a lot of silence. There's a lot of things that go unsaid in this film, actually. And it's really a film about not necessarily the dialogue, but the things that aren't said. Mm. Um, you know, Jordan, who's the, the adoption guy, um, there's the... Uh, he he alludes to a, a a kind of trauma or tragedy in his own past. You know when when Harry questioning him a bit earlier in the film, and he's like, "Oh, why do you why do you care so much about why you know you work too hard? Why are you taking this so seriously?" He's like he says like if if you had made the wrong decision before about homing a child, then you you know work I- I additionally hard and be additionally thorough to make sure that never happened again. So the implication is that he fucked up sometime in his past by rehousing a child with uh, parents who weren't suitable but it never baby says yeah <laughs> I mean I, I thought I thought you said something else and now I laughed at a baby P joke that was awful <laughs> can we cut that <laughs> sure <laughs> um yeah I thought you said uh, maybe a pedophile I was like a lot when you said baby P I was like oh you dragged it into the realm of the real um right I'm resume sorry. The service it's all right um I Yeah, so it, it alludes to there being kind of these little pockets of trauma and tragedy. Um, you know, even Phyllis, who's the woman he falls in love with, who isn't his wife, and whom he has a baby with. We don't really learn anything about her backstory much. Um, we learn that she had a, a fiancé or something who, during the war, kind of shacked up with a German woman when he was serving in Europe. Um, but it, it seems like there's more to that. She seems, you know, she... They... Phyllis and um, Harris meet on a bus, actually. Um, giving a tour of Hollywood,
1: which neither of them seem particularly interested in. They both seem to be like... Mm. Uh, it's like, on your left,
0: Jack Lemon Jimmy Stewart. A lot of them, he was, like, the only name I recognised. I think they were Ida Lupino's mates. I think is a kind of subtle joke mm. in there, to be honest. But, um... They both try and find some solace and human contact on this tour bus, which is probably the last place. It's like, uh, you know, on an off day in London, you're like, uh, you know, I feel really fucking low. I'm going to sit on a 20 pound uh, Buckingham Palace tour bus. Yeah, who does you know, that? Like the roofless ones. Who does that? Do you do I've that? I've actually gone on public. Tr- no.
1: Is that where you pick up um, people? Yeah. <laughs> Tourists that you'll never meet again.
0: Yeah, that's literally how I. Live. That's how I live my life. Um, yeah, tell me. I think that scene's actually worth analysing a bit because it's. Mm. I had this immediate reaction. There's a part in the scene, and it communicates, um, you know, Harry, big, big sad lug, but it communicates a kind of vulnerability at the heart of the American success story. This kind of Edward Hopper vibe mm. um, of at- atomized dislocated loneliness is a guy who's got everything his big apartment a successful life a beautiful wife um and yet feels completely alone on these like uh cuz he works as a traveling salesman like a successful traveling yeah. salesman but yeah tell me tell me about that scene because i think that that hollywood scene his loneliness the way they meet is kind of a really important it's telling us something important about american success or lack thereof
1: absolutely yeah there's something deeply shallow about this um, this attention paid to where famous people live and that kind of, the superficiality of that culture. And yeah, he is, as a, as a successful businessman, he's um, he's lost his soul uh, and he's kind of, su- he's succeeded uh, according to all the metrics of, of society, but he's mm. deeply unfulfilled. I mean, I, I feel like we're almost just carrying on from our conversation about eight and a half, in last week like this this is
0: like <laughs> much less gram- glamorous than it yeah half, but, i mean yeah. it is like it is,
1: there's a lot of that kind of energy i think there's also mm. a weird sort of no means yes energy to that conversation where like she is just like uh, so reluctant to talk to him and he's just so Mm. Such a boring, persistent, persistent, and
0: bo- like it is like he's a bit of a creep because he do- he does pick himself up and sit right next to her, invited, even though she's given him the cold shoulder. Like yeah, quite he blocks her off as well.
1: This, I, I, you know, we mm. all know you shouldn't do that. You should always leave a woman <laughs> room to escape. <laughs> he does. He like fully like <laughs> blocks her onto the window. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's like, I don't yep. think I yep. have a choice. Like, you know, when he's like asking whether she
0: liked. Yeah, or... yeah, she literally says it. And the thing is, when his patter, when they they she she points out that his pickup lines are shit because his chat is really bad. You know, and he he he's obviously a deeper person, but in this moment, he 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 can only reach for like really common platitudes to talk to her. He's like, "So, did you see that flick, that movie? That's one of my favorite movies." <laughs> he's just talking about that like, Miracle Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. It's like sitting down next to someone on the bus and going, "Have you seen like Transformers?" Um, you know, have you seen Marvel? Like, what's your like? I love the Marvel films. I do. Like, it's it's like the most kind of plain chat. Yeah. Um, and she's really resistant to it. And it's you know, he's deeper than that. Do you though? I think a bit. Like, he's obviously got this deep well of 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 sadness and remorse in him. But we know so little about his life, and we have to assume with this film that there's 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 hidden depths to everyone in it. Um, and he is a bit of an idiot, but he's got this kind of I'm gonna like quote like melancholy poetics about him. He's a sad boy. He's a sad boy. Yeah, he's got. He's you know. He's he's reaching for conventional things that don't really suit him. I mean, I can totally see why that why the girls are into him. Yeah, because he's this big, handsome, clean-cut, successful man. But he smells great. Mm. Um, you know, kind of thing. And he
1: and you can pity him as well. Like, so it's sort of empowering. Yeah, it's empowering. Him, like that and... scene where, where where he's where uh, Eve his first wife and him are kind of courting some, they're doing a sales dinner and, um, mm. and they make this joke about, you know, who's the brains and who's the brawn and, um, mm. and she's, and the, and Eve is like, well, I don't really know much about anything, but you know, uh, if I was trying to sell you a freezer, I'd s- uh, point out that you can do this, you can do that, blah, blah, blah And she just kind of, mm. she emasculates him right like, in front of him. Just like she emasculates.
0: I was watching it with Sophia and she was, point out this like this is your partner that you live with for listeners for listeners yeah a little <laughs> bit of this is the extended universe of mood tube is beginning to emerge um the and she pointed out that straight as a he's he's jealous and afraid of her success mm-hmm. um and he there's a lot of the senses in which uh his narrative he spins for himself which is that oh, i'm lonely and i needed to uh you know, he kind of falls dick first into this other relationship. And he, you don't completely, you you empathise with his, his, his pain, but obviously his account of things, uh, we're seeing a bit with a bit more of a God's eye view. And actually his wife does seem incredibly loving and supportive, just not the conventional uh, housewife of the era. I mean, I think there's a sense in which
1: female empowerment becomes a problem for their relationship. And that's not to say that female... Very much,
0: yeah.
1: I'm not obviously saying that female empowerment is a bad thing, but...
0: Um, but it is. Just to make it clear that the line of this podcast is that any form of empowerment is bad, <laughs> apart from our own...
1: Uh, <laughs> the Me Too movement sort of has that, just like, gone too record. far. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but uh, clear, yeah, clearly yeah, in that relation, Fem- I think Ida Lupino, like, she's not a feminist filmmaker. Mm. She's like uh, no. she's like a woman who makes films with, like, intelligence. And um, and I think she shows how like the like how the fact that the the, the woman in that relationship is more than just a housewife causes mm. a crisis of masculinity for him, and that's yeah. like and that's something that needs to be like addressed for what it is.
0: Yeah, and the crisis of masculinity for him is also a crisis of the idea of American success yeah. in the biggest sense or modern success because the very thing that he is believes he must have in a way which is you know the wife the beautiful house the child she she can't bear children um uh so they can't have a kid like it's kind of like the the, the thing which is the perfect love or the perfect kind of metrics of success kind of are in, uh, don't exist they're shown to be very illusory and not really real things which should, should come as absolutely no surprise that these things are not you know completely 100% ideologically charged and uh, you know, manufactured as a form of consent in society in a very chomsky sense, right? You know, obtain these three things and win. Mm. Um, he, he's finding that there's no real uh, joy in that. And the thing is, in contrast, what he finds in Phyllis, I don't think is, I don't think at any point you could say that their personality, they seem to have a, a personal connection like there's there's nothing about her that's particularly outstanding they are both in a sense kind of dissatisfied and a, i suppose a, they kind of unite in they're both kind of losers mm. in a way they're both kind of life's losers he's kind of on the margins in a little bit because you know he's he's ex, ex, as it were kind of excluded by his wife's success and he feels emasculated by that she's kind of failed as it were because she you know she's came to la to, to uh, the implications came to la to Presumably, make it in the movies or something, you know. Um, call back to Mulholland Drive. Um, mm. But, you know, or to be a, around stardom and actually she's working in a, a Chinese restaurant as a, a kind of hostess, but she admits herself it's kind of she was bought to kind of liven up the place, but they have no customers anyway. So it's kind of a lose to her own failure. They're, they're both kind of like been spat out a little bit by themselves but also by american society that's what it felt like yeah i think that there's um, like a, there's
1: a there's a there's a, this, a certain sorrow and pity um like in the in the in yeah embedded they unite in,
0: over their shared pity yeah thing.
1: embedded in all the desire and that's why uh yeah. there's a wonderful moment i was just re-watching it before the pod where she's he's like i'm i really never meant to hurt you And like let's you know I'm prepared to pay you know regular payments to our son and like like let's get the divorce done Mm. as quickly as possible so it's not painful Um, and she's like sure okay thank you and then like they get up to sort of say goodbye and he grabs her hand and and she says oh you know maybe like maybe like we're throwing something away and and actually like Mm. you know I think what you gave me was just a bit of an ego kick and you know, and I think that like I I haven't really seen in a Hollywood movie, even though it sounds very Hollywood. I don't think I've seen dialogue like that that's so, um, or one rarely sees, especially in a film that feels so much like a film noir half the time. It feels like Double Indemnity. It does.
0: It's like a, yeah, it's like a, a mood noir. Yeah, like but literally gone, those like, curtains like
1: you get those like slit curtains yeah. and stuff but genuinely like the level of emotional intelligence in that. and I'm not just like trying to be like woke about it and like, oh, I just talked about a woman so you know, she knows what it's like, but like
0: yeah. <laughs> you know like, there is, <laughs> that
1: is what you're saying though, I actually. guess I guess sort of it no, is, she, but
0: it's it, it, is saying it as an outsider yeah. to the Hollywood system slightly. Like she, I watched another film that, by her you know,
1: called The Hitchhiker which was just a straight up and down like film noir with like mm. good tension. And I was sort of, like, disappointed by how, like, straightforwardly good it was. I was, like, hoping she'd be a director who made, like, really experimental uh, masterpieces. Which is kind of like
0: Fritz Lang, you know, in that sense. Like, Fritz Lang came to America and did the big heat, Mm. you know, and kind of became a boring boring filmmaker. Having made, like, Dr. Mabuse and um, M, you know... And it transplanted into the yeah transplanted into the into the Hollywood system it, it kind of which is what makes kind of the bigamist so interesting because like you said it's got this emotional tonality to it and this depth and this ambiguity it's a very ambigu- ambiguous film is it like mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like, tie up any loose ends about this film because it's just ambiguous everything is morally ambiguous about it um, we're kind of being asked by Adolipino to find a bit of pity and empathy in a society that really doesn't have any time for it because mm. you know the the person who inhabits the world the best. Uh, is not Harry, Harry or Eva, his wife, or Phyllis, his other wife, his new wife. Um, it's actually like that crass, awful guy that Jordan finds in um, the office in LA. You know, he gets a... Oh, yeah, he is so chat. He's all chat and he's <laughs> chatting up the secretary and he's like, hey, it's cocktail o'clock, ladies. And he's just wandering around and he's, he's the image of crass, oafish... LA like American success. And he's happy to swim in that. So, you know, some people can find find their place in it, but it's kind of odious and a bit sticky, because I think we're supposed to treat that character as a kind of like the other side of what it looks like. But I also I don't know, I found it I found it just, yeah, the tonality of this film just very distinct. It I reminded like it made me think that if this is like the chaotic good of this kind of Hollywood film, like the the lawful like evil like the chaos emerald of this, the, the the evil twin of this film is fucking It's a Wonderful Life.
1: <laughs> I actually have the never most, seen that film.
0: Oh, it's a fucking great film. Talking about Jim Stewart, but, the, you know, It's a Wonderful Life is a piece of undiluted, conservative, you know, American propaganda about uh, you should be grateful for your lot and living a boring but comfortable life and bringing up a family in the American Midwest is the measure of success um, and, and that is the film that kind of uh, saturates so much of the American imagination about success and has mm. no it's it's kind of ambiguous because it does actually deal with depression and, and mental illness in a way in quite a of. Prince Harry way yeah yeah or exactly Prince William but is this,
1: <laughs> whichever one it is the ones that always bang about mental health
0: Oh, they're all, they all share literally the same blood, don't they? Fucking transparent lizards. Um, but this film is like got a lot of tonality. It treats it in a very, that uses it as a, I, I think, kind of depression or suicide as a kind of dramatic uh, plot device. Whereas here it's actually a quite considered treatment of what being really abject might look like. You know, it's when Harry's walking, like, he's wandering around LA with nothing to do. Uh, and it all looks like a moving Edward Hopper painting um you know these kind of storefronts uh, these empty storefronts and, and he does try and, and
1: make a protest in a way like um it's mm. funny reading the wikipedia entry the synopsis on wikipedia gives i feel like gives harry more credit than some viewers would like uh it puts the the oh. synopsis puts a lot of emphasis on the various moments at which he kind of attempts he, he basically admits to cheating on eve the first time it happens
0: mm. On the phone, he. Yeah, died, yeah. I Forgot about that. Yeah, and
1: she's just not interested, and she just sort of thinks he's joking. Um, and then like, but le- he later on. He tries yeah. to sort of like tell her, but then her father do- has died, so she's not in the state to hear it. And like, it kind of yeah. it escalates to something unacceptable. Um, mm. because it hasn't been discussed at a point when it was. Like when it could have yeah. been, like when it could have been but something to be like to, to be yeah. talked. So like, I think if someone has an affair. I don't know, I'm a monogamist, so, like, I mean, there's some people would watch this film and be mm. like, well, why don't you just become poly? Which I think is, would be a silly argument. Let's <laughs> um, create polycule. Um,
0: this is the first poly film.
1: But, like, um, like, uh, you know, because clearly it's all about insecurity and about, like, you know, about, like, and the yeah, patriarchy. The, and ends, how, the
0: rot at the heart yeah. of America and insecurity. You're not going to find the modern world. But it's interesting you say that because, like, I don't think we're at any point being invited to to judge um Harry actually. I don't think no. we're being asked sorry, better still to, to justify his behaviour. We're being asked to whether we can empathise and pity somebody um, and pity people in complex ways, and kind of pity everyone in this situation. I don't think we're invited to say Harry is a bad man.
1: Well, Jordan summarises it in the end, and so does the judge as well. Mm, like there are these kind yeah. of weird moments where, like, the viewer is kind of ventriloquized by, like, uh, like the Jordan says this thing about like I don't, um, uh, I'm disgusted by you, and yet I wish you luck. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah totally like that's that's actually what it. You, I mean, it's surprising, again, the kind of world of, like, horrible punishment and labelling that we live in. But, yeah, no, that's mm. actually totally a humane way to respond to the situation.
0: And the judge as well, actually, because the judge basically says as much as that Harry has already suffered more than any any judicial punishment can yeah, yeah, yeah. meet out. Because he's lost not only one woman, but two women he loves. Because he says, I do genuinely believe that he loves both these women. Yeah. Um, and the judge, obviously, the judge is still going to hand out a sentence, um, but he, we, we're not given actually the the, the finality of that because the judge says, "Oh, you know, uh, sentencing will be um, completed a week from today on Monday, at 11am or something," and we never see that. We're giving a bit away, but
1: I mean, I think it's fine. Um, mm. However, the, oh, the moment in the courtroom is the second really loaded moment I, want, I was mentioning earlier about like these moments mm. that she creates. I think I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, where but, like. So to people just look at each other in silence, and like yes. everything you've seen before, like, like, like has, has like a Britter filter has kind of like has like trickled into <laughs> that moment, and you just have this pure like clarity of of mm. like how much emotion is happening between three people in a space without anyone saying anything, just people looking and then leaving.
0: Because yeah. Eva and Phyllis. Look at each other, and you think it might be a look of hatred, but I think Eva almost smiles at her. And there's a, there's a connection between them, both of those women, because both of those women have, have been used to an extent by Harry and have, have been kind of, you, you know, have been lied to and deceived uh, in various ways and had their hearts broken. Um, Mm. by him and there's uh, a mutual recognition of each other's pain there Mm. and I think that's the point where Eva is opening the door a little bit and telling us kind of it's the first kind of time she's really telling us how we should feel I think in a film is to enter into that mutual gaze Mm. and kind of carry ourselves away with that which is why she doesn't give us the finality and the closure of uh, our, you know seeing the sentencing because typically in a film this is much more realistic for how sentencing really works in judicial system it's a bit of like um, you know reality TV in a sense Cause it, whereas in most films it's you know the judge literally the jury comes in and goes guilty and the judge you know, says right sentence to 10 years hard labour straight away and it's mm. not it's quite artificial because the audience wants that closure so they can say right Harry is a bad man I know how bad he is because his badness has been handed out by the judicial system and his badness is 10 years prison um, Mm -hmm. and a fine or something. Whereas we're not given that. So we're saying this isn't a space for the state to tell us what is bad here. This is a human thing that we have to try and pick up. And I don't think there's like an obvious answer. Do you agree? Do you think that's fair? Do you think, yeah, we're not...
1: Yeah, it's a prison abolitionist film. It is an alternate film.
0: ambiguous state. It's <laughs> polyform. It's a poly no, it's, not, it's none of these
1: things, but it's also brilliant. Like, it's brilliantly, yeah. like, not... Um, it's graceful, it, it has, like, a kind of... Mm. Um, it has forgiveness in it. Um, I just think it, like, it doesn't ever attempt to label or judge people. Um, it does... There is an element of, like, shame and pity that's unavoidable in a situation, but... Um, I was struck from the very start of it in the way in which, like, someone behaving mm. in a harmful way is is not demonized. And yet there's, like, no. total honesty about their behavior. And, you know, you kind of... You don't really... You're sort of rooting for... I think you're rooting for truth. So, in a way, I find myself rooting for Jordan when he's investigating. But after that... Very much. After that point, yeah. when... He's found it. The answer. I'm just kind of like. I'm sort of rooting for. Um, it's funny. I was thinking about what you root for, because the other film I watched by Ida Lupino was about um, uh, a some people driving, some two guys driving to uh, on a fishing trip, and they pick up a hitchhiker who holds them up, and they're kind of he just holds a gun to them, and they for like several days they can't escape him and they have to do what he tells them and they're on he's on the run so he just took
0: like, anyway what does he what does he what does he get them to do by the way is it kind of banal is it is it almost like
1: well he gets them to cover for cruddles. him and uh, right, right get right. food because he's a wanted man so he's sort of hanging back but um, yeah anyway like the whole time it's a bit like funny games that film. you like the whole time you're just really uh, really yeah, rooting yeah. for like the, the protagonists to be free of the antagonist and um, Mm -hmm. And so that film, I was like, it's a bit not painted by numbers, but it's like, you know, it's a film noir and it's a thriller and whatever. Like, you, 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 it's very, it's really obvious. She had to earn her money, didn't she? Yeah. But it's like, well, it's a good genre piece, but you just, you're very aware of like some films, the script writing is really straightforwardly like investing the viewer in a particular outcome and like not giving you that outcome until the very end. Whereas this film was much more subtle because the outcome, you know again this is why I don't really believe in spoiler alerts because I sort of find spoilers annoying mm. but I also know that you you most think most of the time when you watch something you know what's going to happen um, if you watch yeah. a thriller about some people being that like, kidnapped you know that they're going to get free at the end that's why funny games were so like so controversial because it that didn't happen but
0: like in this I think funny games would be one of a film where I would f- hesitate to spoiler it for someone if I was talking to them about it. It'd be one of those few films because the it, the tension of it is, mm. is ruined if you well, know just going did, in. So By the I'm way, sp- sp- yeah, spoiler they're all going to die. <laughs> but, you know, the, the value of a film isn't dependent on knowing its plot points. Um,
1: but with this one, there was no you know, kind of, like, I knew that there was, I knew there wasn't going to be a happy ending in this film. And I was...
0: No, his comeuppance is coming, you know. But I also
1: knew it wouldn't be like a brutal... Ending either. Mm. If you see what I mean.
0: Yeah, because he kind of yeah he just walks off, you know, with his lawyer and a police officer presumably to wait, await sentencing. And you know that he's already gone through great turmoil because this has been eating him up. Uh, He's tried to free himself from it, but he can't. He he has a essentially caring nature in the sense of you know he's a bit of an you know a bit of an idiot, but also a caring person because you know he care. Um, uh, Phyllis falls ill. Uh, she has complications with her pregnancy and it's sort of, it's implied she's sort of on death's door for a bit and he cares for her through that period and their shared pain, in that sense physical, you know, kind of leads him to propose to her. So there's a lot of ways in which, yeah, I I, I think it's Ida actually, look at the name Ida. Ida Lupino, you know, sort of again saying we're not going to demonise his acts. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not unfair and it doesn't mean they're unfair Um, you know they're they're painless because he causes a lot of pain but she's saying well let's actually put that pain under the microscope a bit um yeah
1: are there any other hollywood films with this level of like convention formal convention that for you uh push Mm. similar depths of empathy and compassion that you might find surprising for that genre
0: Yeah, so in a way, I was kind of thinking of Vertigo because Vertigo seems like a film of kind of, you know, know, it's madness in that question, but, you know, this issue of doubling and doubles and this kind of sad sack man (laughs) with a bit of a mysterious or sad, soppy past. But again, it just, you know, this film does a lot more emotionally and emotional depth than, you know, Vertigo does in all of its, its profound glory. No, I, again, I maybe you'll feel differently. I'm I'm kind of quite illiterate when it comes to this era of film in Hollywood. Like mm. it's not because of the conventions, I suppose. Like uh I it's not something I know that well. I mean, what do you do you feel there's something that has, done, has trod similar grounds or is kind of yeah. I guess Cassavetes springs to depths. mind, but
1: he's just an independent filmmaker. He wasn't part of that Hollywood John system at all. Cassavetes, yeah. yeah. I, I mean I enjoy Howard Hawks. I enjoy um uh Billy Wilder and all of the, that lot but like that mm. stuff is doesn't it doesn't quite have it has all the it has great writing but um I don't know I'd have to revisit some of those works to say this definitively but I think I think yeah. there's something something quite rare about The Bigamist. Um I think so.
0: I was pleasantly surprised.
1: That's The Bigamist.
0: That's The Bigamist. Um I don't know what we're going to watch next week. That felt like a very neat way to end there. Um, obviously, if anyone has any suggestions for what they want us to watch, I don't give a shit. Um, don't tell me. <laughs> no, tweet us. I like me. participation.
1: I as as we grow our audience base, mm. if you are... My friend who has a podcast did this thing because he, he had list, a similar position we were in at the moment. He had listeners that... A few listeners he didn't know and, like... Mm. quite a few listeners he, he do and he was like trying to grow his base. and so he was like if you don't know me and you're listening to this right now just just say something just message me on Instagram just say like hello and the number six the <laughs> he, was, he would be like he, yeah. was, he was like fully ready to go really needy and now he has quite high listening figures so uh, you know if you're
0: we need to be needy if, you, if you're prepared okay. to be
1: needy like go for it Um that podcast is called Alex Listens by the way with a K Alex with a K so uh, pick up, Alex, shout out, Alex.
0: All right. So in that case, I'm gonna I'm gonna U-turn on what I just said. So if you do have suggestions,
1: please message us. Watch, we would love to, to. Please, we're so
0: lonely. Respond to it. Um, it has to be
1: on movie, of course. It has to be on movie, but it can be the library or it can. It be has to be on movie sh- now showing.
0: I want to watch that Werner Herzog film, Romance. Yeah, but Ten quid, so it's now ten quid. What I'm also gonna plug. I'm not Plug, but I am gonna watch and I wanna talk a little bit about it next week is um Nick Cave. Nick Cave's new film.
1: Nick Cave. The singer yeah. has a new film.
0: Yeah, coming out on its screening on uh, Thursday, I think. Um so it's the in conversation with format but kind of blown up to his bigger catalogue. Um I'm gonna watch it. It's money though. It's like sixteen quid oh, to Mubi. stream it. But obviously, no, it's not movie. I'm g- I'm going off piece. Going here. off piece, all right. Um, I'm going off piece. Well, you and I both love. I'm gonna Nick watch Cove, it. So. We just uh, we fucking love Nick Cave. Laker so yeah, um, we're gonna watch that. Maybe maybe we can we can slip a little bit of non movie chat into the next one.
1: Maybe <sighs> looks like it's already it's already happening today. All right, uh, let's let's bid our ministers farewell. Have a good one. Stay safe.
0: It's uh, very warm. Go and have a drink, water or beer in the sun. Bye. Okay, goodbye.